Welcome to our Frontline City Church podcast. This message will activate and inspire you in the supernatural love of God to find your purpose and reach your destiny through Christ. You know, when we speak about healing, the first question people have, is it for now? Is it for today? Is not not just something that Jesus did while he was here on earth? Is it not just something that happened in that time? Is it really still for today? But if we go right back to Exodus, we go right back to when Jesus, when God spoke to the Israelites about leaving uh, in Exodus 15, he said, verse 26, If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight. Now we know today that we are right in the sight of God, not because of us obeying, but because of Jesus paying a price. We are in that place as if we have obeyed, not because we have obeyed, but because God has said, Jesus is here and he is making you righteous. He is the grace that takes away all of your sin, And looks at you as if you are righteous. So don't let Satan tell you that scripture. Well, you didn't obey, so you can't have it. It says, obeying the commands and keeping his decree. Then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. That is part of his name is Jehovah Rapha. That means the God that heals. It is in his nature. That's why it's in his name. It is caught up in who he is. It's not separate. God the healer and God the one who walked on the earth and God that sits in heaven. It's all one. It's all part of one being. And we cannot separate healing out of his nature. We can't say it doesn't apply And it only applies in a certain period because if that's his name, it overrides time. If that's who he is, it is constant. He never changes. He stays the same. So settle in your mind that God's name is Jehovah Rapha, the healer. The one that healeth thee. If you want to do it in New King James, if that might make you believe it more. But that is part of his nature. Then if we jump to Isaiah, he was prophesying about Jesus. In Isaiah 35 and verse 3, Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. That's what I'm believing for today. That God is going to pitch up in that way. The same way that God was obviously there, So how can they say he's going to come because God is almighty and omnipresent? But there's a place where you have an experience when you know God is there to change things. God is not just there in his omnipresence where he's everywhere, but he's in a specific place for a specific reason to do something specifically. And it says your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution, and he will come to save you. He will come to save you. Who is in trouble? Who needs God to save you? 
Who need God to intervene in your life? I do. I need God to intervene in my life. And he's saying he's going to come. He's going to come. He's going to come to save you. And God is here to intervene in your specific situation. Whatever you're facing, whatever is happening, God is coming. And this is the day that he has set aside to come and save you. To come and change everything in your circumstances. Verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. And the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer. Oh man, who's the lame? Those that have been in wheelchairs for years and years. Those that cannot stand on their own feet. They're going to leap and jump. And the mute tongue will shout for joy. Oh Lord Jesus. Water will gush forth in the wilderness. And streams in the desert. That means if your life has been dry. And nothing is working. And everything is a mess. Then God says it's going to turn around. God says it's going to change. Today is the day of change. Today is the day of that area of your life that you just cannot have victory over. Today it's going to gush forth. Today it's going to change. Not slightly become damp and a little change. From desert, dry wilderness, suddenly streams will run there. Suddenly complete difference will be there. Are you expecting it? Well further on in Isaiah, in Isaiah 53, he's prophesying, they're talking about Jesus, he's despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, some of you are going through so much, that you say, Jesus, I don't even think you understand what I'm going through, I don't even think you really have a clue of the grief that I'm in my situation." The Bible says he's a man acquainted with grief, a man of sorrows. So don't see yourself alone and outside of what God has. Jesus has walked the road of rejection. The greatest hurt that we need healing of is rejection. The greatest hurt is that grief that comes from deep inside. The body grief, the pain and so on is just something that can be dealt with. But that which is on the inside... Jesus knows about and he's walked the road of being despised and rejected and we hid as it were our faces from him and he was despised and we did not esteem him we didn't appreciate who God was when he walked the earth and you know what we've done in our lives we've not appreciated who he is in our day-to-day situation we haven't truly encountered him and said to put him in the place in our life that he should have been that the guys make a mistake when they crucified him we can stand in hindsight and all say yes you made a mistake in crucifying him but in practical day-to-day stuff we're doing the same every day and we have to judge ourselves the same way we judge those that crucified him didn't you see who he was didn't you know what in who he is didn't you understand what you were doing And we're all doing it today. Surely, verse 4, he has borne our griefs. The man who was innocent, the man who didn't deserve any pain, had it all on him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Give your sorrow to him right now, wherever you're sitting. Just saying, God, I'm not going to carry it because you've already carried it. You've already carried it. 
the hurt, the pain, the disappointments, every bit of it, He has already carried. I don't have to carry it. I don't have to take it. As we stood up as a church and we said, we're going to preach healing. The attacks came from everywhere saying, who do you think you are to take on healing in this area? Who do you think you are to say that the Spirit of Christ is inside of you? We've been set aside at this time to make a stand and to declare that He has already carried your burdens, physical, emotional, and spiritual. He has already paid for it. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. For some of us, our Christianity has become a burden. Our Christianity has become an affliction. We look at God and we say, I don't want this pain, it's too hard, the road's too difficult. Let me rather go back to my old ways, it was easier then. It's the same as if we are hammering in those nails. It's the same as if we are crucifying Him again. But God says, I've paid the price for you. I've even paid the price for your mistakes. I've paid the price for the times when you have rejected me. That's the price that Jesus has paid. Verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Stop blaming yourself because he's paid the price for you. He was bruised for our iniquities. With other words, when they beat him again and again and again, it was for your mistakes and my mistakes. It was for the times that we reject him. It was for the times that we chose ourselves above him. That is why he carried it. That's why he walked because he knew there would be days that we find it hard to serve him. He knew there would be days that we battle to do what is the right thing. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. It's not about if you were good enough. It's not about if you've done everything right. It is about if you accept him as the head and the ruler and the one that have paid the price for your healing. By his stripes you are healed. All right, and that is a prophecy from Isaiah. Then we turn to David in Psalm 103, my favorite ones. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. He makes a decision and he tells his soul, I don't care how upset you are. I don't care how things didn't go the way you wanted it to go. I'm telling you, soul, you better bless the Lord. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Oh, David made a choice to bless God irrespective of what was going on. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. In the moments when your soul is upset, you forget the benefits of Christ. That's what David understood, that he had to make a choice and tell his soul, don't forget who Christ is. Don't forget that He is Jehovah Rapha, the healer. Don't forget that He has paid the price for you. Because your sinful nature, your humanness will make it forget. Will make you saying, but I don't see him. What did we sing just now? You're working even when I don't see it. You're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Who knows that there's days that we don't feel like God's working? Who knows that there's days when we think he's given up on us? When we feel that we're not good enough? We sang 
And we sang it with all we have. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Make that your motto at this time. That it's not about feelings. It's not about the goose flesh. I don't mind the feeling. But I cannot depend upon the feeling. I cannot build my faith upon the feeling. Because God is at work in the feeling and outside of the feeling and with us and without us. God is busy working and He's busy doing. And this is your time. And forget not all of His benefits. Who forgives all of your iniquities. And who heals all your diseases. That is who God is. He's the forgiver and He's the healer. And all of it. While He heals some of your diseases while you were young. Is that what's written there? He heals some of your diseases if you're good. He heals some of your diseases if you behave. These ones are excluded. Show me the list that is excluded, please. There's no list of exclusions. He says all of your diseases and all of your iniquities. Every bit of who you are is included in that statement. Every bit of who you are is included. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. We read last week that he does everything out of compassion that he has on us. He doesn't heal for any other reason that he has compassion on your situation. He understands what you're going through. He feels it just the way you feel it. And he cries for you because he understands your grief. And he has paid the price for it. Man, as parents, we try and stop our children from making the same mistakes. We've paid the price for the mistakes we've made. And we try and stop them from making the same mistakes. But we can't. But Jesus has paid the price for us. So that we don't have to go through the same pain. Don't be a teenager in your Christianity. Okay? Don't be a teenager that wants to bump your own head before you allow that which Jesus has already bumped his head in. So that you don't have to. Why has it got so quiet in you? Okay? Can we all understand that? Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now the greatest things that comes against healing is our belief that we are so old that God can't heal us. That we are at a certain age, we must not just accept it. Okay? That's the greatest challenge where we have to take this verse and fight with it. I'm saying as healthy and as strong as I was in my prime, that I'm going to be in my old age. There's the story of Hezekiah that was ill and he was dying. We've often spoken that this is the time of Hezekiah. But in his later life, he was ill and he was dying. But he seriously prayed. 
And God said to the prophet, go tell him, your life is extended by 15 years. Can we make this Sunday the life extension Sunday? Not only little healings of headaches, but life extension Sunday. That God is doing something so great that you're getting a new lease of life. That that which has been weakened is strengthened. That which Satan is telling you it's over, I'm telling you it's not over. God says, I'm giving you an extension. You can go read the story of Hezekiah and the prophet. The prophet came to him and said to him, it's the end of your life. And some of you have thought, okay, this is the end. I fought long and good enough, long and well enough. I don't have any value anymore. I don't have anything more to give. God's saying, today is the extension of your life. Can I pray into that right now before we even continue? Lord Jesus, every person sitting here who is thinking that their life is over, I want them to know right now that you are saying there's an extension of their life. You are making them like the eagle whose youth is renewed, whose youth is renewed, whose youth is renewed in Jesus' name. My anointing for breaking the yoke of age is here right now, says Jesus. I am refreshing and re-establishing your youth in Jesus' name. If I was in the service, I'd run up, say, I'm receiving this. If I was in the service where somebody preached this, and I was feeling the way I felt this week, I'd be standing right here and saying, this is me, I want it. Don't be scared to come up. God is refreshing and renewing. It doesn't matter if I get to preach the rest of my sermon or not, but God is saying, I am refreshing and renewing. This word is specifically for those that have thought that their life is over and they cannot escape the ageism. They cannot escape the weakening in the age. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord God, I pray for a refreshing. I pray for the renewing, Lord God, of every part of our body. You can let everybody come forth. I'm not going to lay hands down. I'm just going to pray over everybody. If you stand in front here, then it means you want a touch from God regarding age, regarding the sicknesses that come with age. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father God, I pray over front line that our youth is renewed like the eagle for every single one who wants it. If you're sitting in a pew, raise your hand towards the people in front and pray with me. This is the time of Hezekiah And part of the time of Hezekiah Is life extension Life extension Life extension Lord Jesus I pray for us as a church For an impartation Of understanding Of the renewal of our youth in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Today you might get fit, so go sit down. I'll call you up just now again.
If you're not healed by the prayer, you'll get healed from running up and down. Oh, In John 9, these prophecies take shape when Jesus is walking on the earth. Afterward, as Jesus walked down the street, he noticed a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Teacher, whose sin caused this guy's blindness? His own or the sin of his parents? And Jesus answered, Neither. It happened to him so that you could watch him experience God's miracle. God wants to sometimes take you through a process so that others can see you come out. So that others can see you being set free. Your life is an example. Your life is a miracle that must draw others to Christ. And he said to him, nobody's fault this happened. While I'm with you, it's daytime. And we must do the works of God who sent me while the light shines. For there's coming a dark night when no one will be able to work. As long as I'm with you, my life is the light that pierces the world's darkness. Then Jesus spat on the ground and made some clay with his saliva. And he anointed the blind man's eyes with the clay. And he said to the blind man, Now go and wash the clay from your eyes in the ritual pool of Siloam. So he went and washed his face. And as he came back, he could see for the first time in his life. For the first time in his life, he could see. Church of God, there's some of us that have been spiritually blind all of our life. We have not seen what God has promised and we've tried to be on the edge of it and we've tried to take it and try to approach it from every angle without seeing it clearly. And God is saying, today, I want to open your eyes. Now, there's a couple of things about this miracle that's very interesting. It's the fact that Jesus spat on the ground and put some mud on the person's eyes. Imagine in the time of COVID, if I did that, I'd be in the newspapers and all kinds of drama and the police would be dragging me out of here. So we don't need to do that. But what we have to understand that there's a process. There's a process. God instructs us to do something. And we need to do it so that the miracle can happen. Number one, Jesus himself did something. The person who's praying had to do something, not just pray. Praying sometimes is enough, but sometimes we've got to really hear what is God saying must be done. Then there was a second instruction, and that was the instruction to the blind man. Go and wash yourself in the pool. Go and rinse off what I've done. Just wipe it off. Leave it on until you get to the pool and rinse it off there. A strange instruction that might not make sense. The instructions of God is not supposed to make sense. It is supposed to be obeyed. It is supposed to be obeyed. Imagine if he thought, well, I don't like this instruction. I'd like another instruction. I, I think this is, a, this is not good enough for me. And he doesn't do it exactly the way God said it. It doesn't have to make sense. All you have to do is to really listen and say, God, is there any instruction that I've missed? Is there anything that you've said that I should do 
Number one, forgive me for not listening. And number two, let me do it. Many people stop after number one. Sorry, God, I didn't go and wash in the pool. And then they still wouldn't have their healing. They will have their healing when they obey. It's not good enough to say sorry. You have to obey. And this man, the blind man, had never seen in all of his life. And he gets given the simple instruction. And the instruction is, go and wash your face in the, po- the pool of Siloam. And he has to walk there and say, somebody, please take me to the pool. Why do you want to go to the pool now? It's not the time of going to the pool. It's not the ritual time. Jesus said, I must go. I don't quite know who he is, but he said, I must go. I don't know him, but he said, I must go, and I'm going to take a chance on him. Now, you that say that you know Jesus, do you, don't you know him better than that blind man who sat along the road who's never met Jesus before? Haven't you been studying your Bible all of your life and know him? Now, if that blind man took a chance on Jesus, isn't it your turn to take a chance on him? Isn't it your turn to say, God, what else must I do? What instruction have I missed? If there's nothing, don't worry about it. Don't try and dig one up. But if there is an instruction that you've missed, quickly repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's what I should have done years ago. I'm going to run and do now because I want my healing. I want to be made whole in every aspect of my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So he could see for the first time in his life. This caused quite a stir among the people of the neighborhood. For they noticed the blind beggar was now seeing. Is your healing going to cause a stir? Or are you going to keep it quiet? Is your healing going to cause a stir in your neighborhood? Because it's going to be so dramatic that your children's going to know about it. Your people's going to know about it. Oh, Jesus. Lord God, let the healings that happened be such a way that it causes a stir, Lord God. For they noticed the blind beggar was now seeing. They began to say to one another, Isn't this the blind man who once sat and begged? Someone said, No, it can't be him. Others said, But it looks just like him. It has to be him. All the while, the man kept insisting, I am the man who was blind. I am the one who was sick. I am the one that had no answer. I am the one who couldn't see. But now I'm the one that sees. I can tell you a miracle in my life. Oh, I had an ulcer as a young businessman and manager and workaholic. I had an ulcer. And whenever I ate meat, my favorite thing, I would start coughing and coughing and coughing and coughing. And it would be both embarrassing and very sore. And sometimes a bit of blood would come out. And everybody would run around thinking it's a big mess. And, but I lived with it in my early 20s because I just thought, well, it's, it is what I am. And I'd taken medicine and it would stop. And if I stopped taking the medicine, it would come back. So one day, we were in the spur of all places with pastor friends of ours. 
and I ate a steak or whatever, something, and I started coughing. Eventually, I'm on the floor in the spur, coughing blood and crawling around in pain. Am I exaggerating? I'm there. It's a big mess. All the waiters are around. They want to call the ambulance, and I'm just trying to compose me because I know I can actually, I'm actually okay. I'll be fine. The bleeding will stop tonight, and I can go on with life, and I'll eat the steak again tomorrow, and it'll happen again. But I'm okay because I got used to my illness. I tried to manage it instead of trusting God for healing. So to my great embarrassment, Pastor Lynn gets up and lays a hand on me in the spur. Prays for me right there. And I would rather cough blood than be so embarrassed of somebody praying for me in the spur. With praying in tongues and so on. I'd rather struggle every single day with this issue than to be prayed for in the spur. Can somebody relate to that? Rather try and breathe quietly and just try and manage it and handle it because you don't want the healing more than what you're willing to be made a spectacle of. But I didn't have a choice in the matter. I was in desperate trouble and I needed help and she came and she prayed for me. That is, I'm guessing, 25 years ago. I've still got scarring on the top um, valve here at the top of my stomach because the, the ulcer was right on the valve. So sometimes I do still cough, but I've never coughed blood since then. I've never crawled on the floor with no grasping for air like that. Yes, sometimes I do still have some symptoms because the x-ray says that the um, scarring is there. But it's totally healed. So I want to ask you, are you willing to make a bit of a stir if your healing comes? How badly do you want your healing? Do you want to get forced that God must step in in the spur or some Lonnie restaurant and make a bit of an embarrassment of you because you didn't want to come up for prayer in church? Because you didn't want to make, just now they make a fool of me here. How far must you let it go until God intervenes? Until you're willing to say, God, help me. I don't care if you make a mess. I don't care if you make a spectacle. Praise you, Jesus. Finally, they asked him, what has happened to you? I'm believing for healings that are so powerful that people are going to ask you, what happened? How did this change? I saw this mess coming for years and months, and I thought it's never going to change. I thought that's who you are. But Jesus came in and stepped in and is going to do a miracle for you that people can come and ask you what happened. I met the man named Jesus. Oh, I can't even say it. I met the man named Jesus. Imagine that's your answer when people ask you what happened. I met the man named Jesus. I had an encounter with one who could change my situation. 
I had an encounter with the Son of God, I cannot stay the same. That's what Evangelist Freddie said. We cannot stay the same when we meet the man named Jesus. It's not about a healing service. It's about meeting the man named Jesus. It is about coming face to face with the one who brings healing. The one whose name is Jehovah Rapha. Go to the, and he said to me, go to the pool named Siloam and wash. So I went, and while I was washing the clay from my eyes, I began to see for the very first time ever. So you, some of you are saying, but people have prayed for me. This has been done. I've asked God, and I haven't had healing. But there's always a first time. There's always that one moment. There's always that time when things change. I don't know why it sometimes takes time. I don't know why sometimes it doesn't work the first time we just do a general little prayer. But today there's an atmosphere of expectancy. Today there's an atmosphere that is heavy with the answer to your prayer right here, right now. Today is your day of the pool of Siloam. Today is the day when God says, okay, for the first time ever, you're going to see who I really am. And then if we carry on, to Mark 9 there was a demon possessed boy when they returned to the other disciples they saw a large crowd surrounding them and some teachers of religion was also there arguing with them when the crowd saw Jesus they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him what is all this arguing about asked Jesus one of the men in the crowd spoke and said teacher I brought my son so you could heal him he is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't. And Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? That question is telling me that Jesus wanted to hand over the baton. He's saying to you, how long must I keep on showing you until you're going to do it without me? He was wanting to pass on the baton. And he was frustrated because the disciples weren't ready to take the baton. He says, how long must I keep on preaching this word in front line? How long must I keep on speaking about it from the pulpit? How long must I put up with you? Yo, Jesus, please. <laughs> He says, bring the boy to me. Today is the day that Jesus says, bring him. Bring them. Bring them. Because I, there's nearly a frustration in the world, Jesus. There's nearly a place of saying, I want to act, but you're not operating in the faith that I want you to act. I want to do something for you. I want to use you. But you're holding back. Is that also what you're seeing in that scripture? You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here. If the boss does that, and he says, okay, leave everything, I'll do it now. Then you know there's trouble. If at any work situation, the, you've tried and tried, and the boss says, leave it, I'll do it. Then you know there's a frustration there. And that's what happened here. Jesus was frustrated and saying, we should have been already operating in healing every single time that you prayed for somebody. You should have been able to deal with this already. 
bring him here. Okay, I'm finished playing now. Now we're going to get serious. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. And he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. So don't be surprised if there's a reaction to the spirit of God. Demons cannot be happy when the spirit of God flows. They want to leave. They want to run. They want to get out of that situation. Because they know they cannot stand in the presence of God. And Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening? Since he was a little boy. You know, some of us have been in a fight for a long time. Some of us have been facing issues since we were small. The spirit often throws him into the fire, into the water, trying to kill him. The spirit of Satan is trying to kill you. That's just simply put it. It's trying to destroy you. It's trying to destroy the things of value. It's trying to destroy your calling. It's trying to destroy your flesh. And that is when the father says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. Whose cry today is help us if you can, Jesus. Help us. Father, we've tried everything that we know how. We've even brought into the disciples to church. We've come to, for prayer. But help us if you can. Verse 23. What do you mean if I can? <laughs> what do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if you believe. There's no what if I can. There's no what if I can. The only question is, do you want to Jesus? And we've already established that. There's no what if you can, Jesus. Heal me if you can. He wants to and he can. I promise you that's very clear, not from me, in the Bible. He wants to heal you. And he's saying, what do you mean if I can? He's insulted by your attitude. He's insulted by your unbelief. What do you mean if I can? The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. It's okay if you have unbelief. Ask him to help your unbelief. Ask him the same way that father asked him, say, Father, I do believe, but help me. Help me overcome my unbelief. People here have to ask God to help you to overcome your unbelief today. You've got to give your unbelief to Jesus and say, Father, I don't know how this works. I haven't seen it. It hasn't worked so far for me. All I see is suffering. All I know is my pain. But help me overcome my unbelief. Help me get beyond this place, Jesus. I can't stay in this place of unbelief. What do you mean if I can? <laughs> it's such a way of saying, what do you mean by this? How can you even think that I can't? Has all my teaching and all my interaction with you not convinced you that I can? Has my whole being and everything that I left in this thick Bible so that you can understand that I can not actually worked? That's what Jesus says when he says, what do you mean if I can? Oh, Jesus, Jesus. I want to ask like that. Dad asked, help us, Lord God. Help us to overcome every little bit of unbelief. Father, we don't mean to insult you with our unbelief. 
Lord, we are only humans. Help us to understand in the supernatural, spiritual place that you can overcome every bit of sickness. Oh, Shiandaranaka. When Jesus saw the crowd of unlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Jesus didn't talk nicely to the spirit. He didn't pamper long it. He just said to it, get out. You don't belong here. Every bit of sickness in a Christian does not belong there, including COVID, including cancer, including HIV. It is time that we rebuke it. It is time that we declare you don't belong here. You don't belong here. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus, ah, but Jesus, whatever your situation is, that there is a but Jesus. Even if everybody says it's dead, there is a but Jesus. Took him by the hand. He worked the miracle and helped him to his feet and he stood up. Jesus is here to help you to your feet. Jesus is here to take you by your hand. I don't care what the doctors have said. I don't care what is going on. All I hear is a Jesus that wants to grab you by your hand and say, stand to your feet and help you to stand up. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that your word would penetrate into every little bit of us that might fall they have difficulty to believe every little bit of us that have seen and tried for so long Lord God, every little bit of us that is rising up against this and saying but it can't be I've never seen it oh Jesus can I tell you about my school friend I had a friend he still is alive in Nazna and uh, in what would now be grade 8, standard 6. We were swimming close to the heads and there was a, a, a steps down to the water with a railing, a cement railing, a wall. And we'd walk on the wall and dive into the water and swim around there on a summer's afternoon as young people would be, as free and full of jokes and fun as you can imagine. And suddenly Andre jumped in and we didn't really give attention to it. And I can still see his face. He's floating in the water, smiling at us and not saying a word. And he's just floating further and further away. So, hey, come, stop messing around. Swim back to us. Cut a long story short, Andre broke his neck as he dived into the sand. And he was totally paralyzed from that day. We visited him many, many times in the hospital in George. As a school, we prayed for him and believing God and he came through little steps and steps at his worst he was so weak that he couldn't hold his head up and they put a hook on his bed and they drilled a hole in his head to put a hook on his head so that his head can be held up so that at least he can sit up totally paralyzed and um, we got saved a few of us and we'd go to George and go lay hands on him and pray for him 
But Andre stayed there in that same situation. Later years, we were, uh, I was already in another school and Pastor Nikki's dad had a tent crusade with uh, Kennedy, Andrew Kennedy's dad, also a pastor that now pastors in Nelspruit. They had a conference in a tent on the rugby field in Neisner. And we took Andre in his wheelchair to be prayed for. He didn't get up right there out of the wheelchair. But years later, I went to Neisner, and here's Andre working as a salesman in a car dealership. He still uses his wheelchair from time to time at that stage, but he was he could speak, he could walk, he could sell cars, and he had a life. And now, this last December, we were in Neisner, and I'm standing in the fruit and veggie buying some food for us for our holiday and somebody, suddenly somebody says hello Hannes and I look around and there's Andre standing up walking he's not in a wheelchair he's living a life now he must have been 14 when he hurt his neck he, I'm guessing he's now the same age as me 54 so for 40 years his life has been extended for 40 years he's lived a full life we thought his life was over at 14 we thought he's going to spend the rest of his life in a wheelchair we thought he's never going to be able to have a job because he couldn't speak he couldn't talk he had to be fed he couldn't eat wasn't only one side that was paralyzed he was completely paralyzed all arms and legs today he's walking around there's not one big miracle of getting out of the wheelchair but there for 40 years there's been consistent healing where that should have been happening this happened he got better and better and better as time went on and I can take you to Andre if you really don't believe me and we can go sit in his office where he sells cars in the main street of Neisner and I can show you him and he can tell you the story himself God wants to intervene in your situation is your situation so bad that you can't move your lips to eat is your situation so bad that you can't move your arms or legs if God can do for Andre what can he do for you my own son and daughter there was moments that they were both close to death and my wife and myself where God stepped in and extended our life when Satan wanted to take our life, God stepped in and extended it. And I'm believing today is the day of extended life for each one of us. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. God has enough grace to change your situation. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. If your weakness today is unbelief, if your weakness is whatever, then God can step in and read that very unbelief and put His grace on that very thing. Because we're thinking, well, I can't have it. I'm not good enough. I don't have enough faith. God's saying, my grace is enough for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I'll rather boast in my infirmities so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The power of Christ operates in that moment of your weakness, in that moment of your tiredness, in that moment when you don't know what to do next. That is the moment that Jesus steps in. 
that is the moment where you have to depend upon Him. Whenever you can do it on yourself, you don't need God. Whenever there's enough inside of you that you can do it yourself, you don't need God. But when it's beyond that, that you have no more power left over, when you have no plan left over, that is when God steps in. Let's stand, people. Let's stand. We hope that you enjoyed today's message. Our services are streamed live on our Facebook page every Sunday morning at 9.30. For more information and resources, please go to our website, www.frontlinecitychurch.co.za or look us up on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube.